Hey guys, and welcome to episode two of Internal Budget, the newest and hopefully soon to be most downloaded Ottawa Senators podcast on the World Wide Web. Once again, my name is Brandon Mackey. I'm a staff writer for Silver7Sends.com and lifelong fan of the Ottawa Senators for some reason. Not a lot to talk about this week because there are no games, but we'll talk about the All-Star Game, trade rumors, and the kids down on the farm. So sit back with some iced coffee, shout out to Spencer Blake, and check out episode two of Internal Budget. said not a lot going on in Sensland this week as it was everyone's favorite time of year the all-star break the NHL all-star break where there is absolutely no hockey on for an entire week save for a boring three-on-three tournament that no one really cares about because there are no stakes and the players themselves do not care awesome uh, both Anthony Duclair and Brady Kachuk were taking part in this year's all-star event as part of Team Atlantic uh, Team Atlantic advanced to the final against Team Pacific, but were ultimately defeated by a score of 5-4. to four. Um, Cool little note, Matt Kachuk, Brady's brother, obviously plays for Team Pacific. So that was an interesting storyline, I guess we're supposed to believe. Um, <laughs> not much interesting about the NHL All-Star festivities. Um, Duclair was unbelievable. In the first game alone, he had a hat trick and an assist. That was against Team Metro Division. Finished with another assist in the final to give him five points in the two games. It's a type of game that fits his style, right? Obviously, the All-Star games take place in the three-on-three format. We know who Anthony Duclair is. He's a speed player. He's a skill player. So it doesn't surprise me that he did so well. Um, Everything that he has, all of his abilities are at the higher end of the spectrum. So I'm not shocked that he was dynamite in this type of setting. And thank, and actually I'm kind of vindicated because he showed he belongs with the best of the best in the NHL. I actually saw some people on Twitter saying that Anthony Duclair wasn't an all-star. So if you look, if you're one of those people, can I have whatever you're smoking? How is Anthony Duclair not an all-star? How did he not deserve to be there? Even before the games took place, and he showed that he deserves to be there, the guy has 33 points in 47 games this year. And that's with a 10-game, roughly, cold snap that he went through to start January. Oh, and there's a little matter of he's on one of the worst teams in the league with probably only two other high-end talents around him. To say Anthony Duclair doesn't belong in this game is absurd. And he proved all those people wrong with his performance. Look, I know we don't take the All-Star game very seriously. We shouldn't. Half the guys have been partying all week. Most of the guys have probably been partying all week. None of them really care about it. But you look at Duclair's speed, you look at his ability to stick handle, and you look at his ability to shoot, to move the puck and shoot the puck. He's a high-end skill player. He didn't look at a place playing with David Pasternak. Who was the tournament MVP? Duclair belongs. And he proved it. As far as our other little all-star, 
our son Brady Kachuk. I think it's fair to say that the three-on-three format doesn't show the best sides of his game. Brady's not a bad skater by any means, but I don't think he's going to outskate the likes of Duclair anytime soon. But he still played really well. He's such an imposing physical presence. The puck is really hard to take off of him. Uh, He had two assists through the two games, one in each. And uh, he got to share the spotlight with his family. Um, That was the storyline that the NHL was really pushing because I guess it was the only real compelling part about this weekend, aside from Billy Joe Armstrong swearing on live television. And as kind of forced as it felt, it was cool to see Keith and Matt and Brady together kind of fooling around, sharing the spotlight, all in St. Louis where Keith obviously played most of his career. So the story couldn't really get sweeter there. But back to the actual on-ice stuff, Brady was replacing Austin Matthews, who, as much as we all love the Leafs, I think it's fair to say Matthews is probably a more... plays a style more favorable to the all-star format. But Brady is an all-star. He deserves to be there. He's an all-star, but he's just a different kind. Because most of his impact is understated, especially on this on this team with this lack of skill and lack of high-end offensive talent that the Senators have. Brady's been in the top three in expected goals all year. He generates as much offense or around as much offense as guys like Alex Ovechkin and Connor McDavid. And the only thing that I guess would really prove just how valuable he is to this team is if he got hurt this year, God forbid. If Brady Kachuk gets hurt or doesn't play for a stretch of games, you're going to see just how bad the Senators are at generating offense because it's all him. Most of it is just him battling in front of the net, getting to open areas, or digging pucks in the corner and driving to the front of the net. But few guys in the league do it better than Brady Kachuk. I firmly believe that Brady is going to be a Mark Stone caliber player. That kind of two-way power forward. He'll probably have more of a physical element to his game than Stone does. It looks like he likes it a little more. And Stone, I think, has a little more skill in terms of hands and things like that. But they're kind of similar in the sense that at the beginning of Stone's career, skating was his weak point too. A lot of people thought he would never be a full-time NHLer because of his skating. And now he's arguably the best two-way forward in the game. And Brady's skating has gotten better since last year too. He's working on it all the time. So when when his skating gets to that next level, when it gets to that real upper-end NHL level, and I believe it will, we got a serious player on our hands. If we had Brady and Mark Stone, we'd be laughing. Again, we, damn it. I told you guys. Make me stop saying we. I need a shock collar, an elastic band on my wrist or something. In any case, Brady Kachuk is going to be an elite power forward in the NHL. He's an all-star. He deserved to be at the all-star game. For the love of God, please get this kid a supporting cast. Get him an elite playmaker. Get him another elite defenseman. Get him someone that can really pass the puck on his right wing. And holy Moses, are we ever going to see this kid take a step? If he's generating this much offense with this ragtag group that the Senators have, imagine when they actually have some players. 
It's going to be unbelievable the number he puts up. You're going to be shocked. I'm telling you. So if you're doubting that Brady Kachuk deserved to be at the All-Star game and that he was just a throw-in because the game was in St. Louis and Matt was already going to be there, you're wrong. Brady Kachuk's an All-Star. He deserves to be there. And, man, is he ever going to prove it in the next few years if the Senators can get this rebuild to really get going. And speaking of the topic of All-Stars, there was one more guy from Ottawa who arguably should have been there with the season he's having, and that is Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Please excuse my Northern Ontario French pronunciation. I am not built for this. Now that I've gushed over Pajot, let me reiterate, as I have many times, if you follow my writing on Silver 7 and my crazy half-baked takes on Twitter.com, Ottawa should 100, 100% trade Pajot. And I know that doesn't sit well with a lot of people. It frankly doesn't, it doesn't sit too well with me. Especially after everything I said about the Carlson trade and the Stone trade and the Duchesne trade. It's weird to defend the organization and say that they should be dealing another beloved player. But I really feel that it's different this time. I'm starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of this rebuild. You look at hopefully two top 10 picks this year. You look at Batherson. You look at Logan Brown. You look at Brandstrom. This team's going to be a problem. And the fact of the matter is, Pajot is 27 on an expiring deal due for a big payday with the season he's having. And his points were actually regressing before this year. He has he has the most points this year since I think he had in 2015-2016. So with that in mind and also considering that he had a major injury last year, he had an Achilles injury which he's come back from amazingly. Like I give him full credit. But like it or not, an injury like that takes years off your career. Your body is never going to fully be the same after an injury like that. If you don't know anything about sports injuries, an Achilles injury is catastrophic. I don't think I've seen someone at any level come back as fast as Pajot did, and frankly, as well as Pajot did. But he's never going to be more valuable than he is now. 31 points, 46 games. I don't see that happening to go forward. I don't see this as the start of Pajot's prime when he's 27 years old. I see this as a guy who's overperforming, taking advantage of getting a lot of minutes because of the nature of the Sens' forward depth, and playing with guys like Brady Kachuk and Anthony Duclair and getting first power play time. So, if Pajot is going to go somewhere, if the Senators are going to trade him, and like I said, I really think they should, because somebody will overpay for this guy. Who would be a good fit going into the playoffs? I think the best fit, honestly, for both sides, without blowing smoke on anybody, would be the Boston Bruins. I know we in the Sens fan, it's the Sens base, fan base, geez, <laughs> the Sens fan base don't love the Bruins. I actually don't mind the Bruins. My dad's a Bruins fan. 
So he tried to get me to kind of grow up in the black and gold. I didn't. But I don't see the Bruins as the big, bad, dirty team that most people do, I guess. I think they're a hell of a lot of fun to watch. You can't not like guys like Bergeron and Pasternak and Krejci and Chara and Krug and McAvoy and Tuka Rask. Marshawn, I'll give you, but he's still a hell of a talented player. Anyway, I'm getting off track. You give the Bruins Pajot, and you add to a center core that includes guys like Bergeron, guys like Krejci. You have Charlie Coyle that can play center. He's one of the most underrated players in the league. I think that team, who's already dominating this year, has the best forward depth in the league. If you do that, if they make this deal. I really do. I mean, imagine you got Bergeron and Pajot killing penalties, along with Coyle and guys like DeBrusque and Sean Corrali. That's another one. He's one of the best bottom six forwards in the league. You'd have to move someone to the wing. You can't have five centers. But then you have more guys that can take face-offs, and you have important depth going into the playoffs, and you get it in the form of a guy who performs his best in the playoffs. Hat-trick against the Canadians, four goals against the Rangers. We know Pajot's a gamer, and we know he shows up when the pressure's on. So if the Bruins can make this deal, I think they will. And keep in mind, this is the team that gave up a second for Marcus Johansson last year. And Johansson's a great player. I said at the time that that was going to end up being a great deal for them. It was. He was one of their best players on that run of the final last year. But I think Pajot is, one, having a better season. He's got more points this year than Johansson did all last year. And two, he, like I said, he's a better all-around player. So there's no reason, there's no doubt in my mind that the Senators should be able to get a first for Pajot, especially from the Bruins. If they can get out of that Bacchus contract, that $6 million deal, then that frees up a huge amount of cap space for them, enough for Pajot's contract, and them and the Senators can make some beautiful music together. And as far as Ottawa goes, I don't even really have to justify this trade, getting another first-round pick. That'll, granted, probably be a later first-round pick. But this draft is so deep, you're going to get a really good player probably for the first two, maybe three rounds. This is a slam dunk for both teams, I think. I think this is the best. This is a match made in heaven. And by the time the Senators are competitive again, I mean really, truly competitive, Pajot likely won't be a factor, or as much of a factor anymore, I should say. But who knows? Maybe I'm wrong, and he'll torch us. He'll torch Ottawa. Again, us, we... He'll torch Ottawa in the playoffs in a few years. But for now, I think that's a really good deal for both sides. Penguins are another one. Now, I told you I I don't mind the Bruins. I hate the Pittsburgh Penguins. How can you not? They've tortured us for so many years now. Sidney Crosby, I hate him. I hate his guts, but damn it, do I respect the hell out of him. In any case, you give them Crosby. You give them Malkin, and you give them Pajot down the middle. That right there could be the best all-around center core in the league. 
Pajot is a really nice complimentary piece to those two guys. Probably the best part about it is if you get him, you're not as tempted to use guys like Crosby and Malkin on the penalty kill. Especially going into the playoffs when guys are banged up, guys are hurt. You can kind of manage their minutes a little more. Pajot can kill the penalties for you. It's not like he's just a throw-in guy. He's a really good penalty killer. And he can even chip in with some secondary scoring that they're frankly going to need. The Penguins are really good. They're still a very good offensive team, but not having Gensel for the rest of the year hurts. So you throw Pajot in that mix. He scores the odd goal every now and then, or three or four when it comes playoff time. And the Penguins can really make some noise. New York Islanders, ton of cap space. More than enough for Pajot's contract. And they play a style that really fits his game. They play a tight-checking, defensively responsible style. they got a really good coach in Barry Trotz. The Islanders could be a team that makes even a conference final run this year. And Pajot would be a guy that really helps them out. Hell, even the Leafs, honestly. They'd have to give up some salary in return. I'd do a Pajot for a Kapanen. And maybe a little extra. <laughs> I really don't want to help out the Leafs, to tell you the truth. But if they're willing to overpay for Pajot, I mean, how do, you, how do you say no? And if none of this pans out, if Pajot doesn't get traded and he ends up re-signing in Ottawa, it's got to be at a low cost. Like I said, he's 27. To me, anything more than Colin White's deal, which is 4.75, I find that hard to swallow. And he's earned more than that on the open market. There will definitely be at least one team willing to pay him 5 plus a year, $5 million a year. I think the Senators should trade Pajot. I think you find good fits in teams like the Bruins, Pittsburgh, Islanders. But I don't think there's going to be a team going into the Stanley Cup playoffs this year that wouldn't kill to have a guy like Pajot on their roster. So anything could happen. Now, I mentioned that there were no Ottawa games this week, but there were a few Belleville games, and those kids are more than all right. The kids are all right. Sorry. Those kids are on fire. They're more than just all right. They are first in the North Division with a winning percentage of .644. They have some real standout players that have been amazing on this last stretch. Josh Norris has 40 points on the year. He was had last week's Belleville Blessing, we called it. Got a new name for you. I'll let you know what it is in a bit. Alex Formanton has 34 points. And I mentioned this on Twitter today, but man, what a story Alex Formanton is. And nobody's talking about it. This is a guy who started in Ottawa last season. Didn't have the great greatest stretch. Dealt with concussion. I think he chipped in one assist in his, like, in his uh, trial run there. He got sent back down to London to play his last OHL season. Suffered a, ma- a major, major knee injury. Missed the World Juniors. Manages to come back for the playoffs. Goes on an unbelievable run in the playoffs. Even though his team got eliminated in the second round. I believe it was the second round. You OHL fanatics can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Has a decent camp. Doesn't quite make the roster. And just lighten it up in Belleville. Doing everything that anyone ever expected of him and more. There's a lot of people that see Formington as kind of a bottom six player for the Sens. I, I frankly see him as more than that. I think he's going to be that kind of prototypical second-line winger. 
I think of Ryan Dezingle with a little more of a rounded out game and hopefully more than one good season. His skating is great. He's an incredibly fast skater. And he's an efficient skater too. It doesn't take him a million strides to get up the ice. A few strides and he's really accelerated. He kills penalties. He can score. He can pass. Like His stick handling is really nice. He's your what you want in a prototypical second-line player. He can score, he can get you some offense, and he can play some responsible defense if he gets stuck against one of the other team's better lines. I really think Formington's going to be more than just a bottom-six marginal guy for Ottawa. All the abilities there, and he's proven it in Belleville right now. He's actually going to the All-Star game, the AHL All-Star game in place of Josh Norris, who's fallen ill, unfortunately. Really sucks for him. He's had an amazing season. He really deserves the recognition. So, But I'm sure he's just going to keep tearing it up in the second half and going into the playoffs, so no worries there. But even the guys who played in Ottawa that got sent back down, I think they're performing exactly, if not better, than Pierre Dorian hoped. Logan Brown has 20 points, 20 points in 19 games this season. Eric Branstrom has 14 points in 16 games. Only the one goal, I'm sure they'd like him to score a little more. That was one thing he couldn't do up in Ottawa this season, even though he had some really good chances. But all in all, these kids are playing some really, really good hockey. Who's going to beat this team in the playoffs? The way Joey Decord's playing in net. The way the rate and the pace at which with which they score and get chances. The solid defense they've been playing in their own end of the ice. This team is already a wagon. Now when they're going into the playoffs, add Drake Batherson. The best player in the American League for the last two years. Add Christian Willanen, who's frankly an NHL defenseman that I'm sure they'll send back down considering he's going to miss most of this season and Ottawa's not going to the playoffs. Add Rudy Balsers, who again, NHL player in my opinion. Add Christian Yarosh, who spent most of last season in Ottawa. He played 60 games in Ottawa. Add Philip Schlopik, again, bottom six NHL player. And maybe even Marcus Hogberg, a guy who's one of the best goalies in the NHL in January in terms of save percentage and whatnot. Who's going to beat that team? What team can you honestly say has more quality prospects than the Ottawa Senators right now? Not even just on paper. They're proving it. They're going out on the ice and they're winning most of their games. They got a winning percentage of .644, first place in the division, and they had one of the slower starts in the league. And the crazy thing is, it's not like this is a team of role players. Most of these guys have a future in Ottawa. Batherson has the makings of a top six forward. Wolanin, I really believe, is going to be a top four defenseman. Balser's probably a second line type of guy. Yarosh, maybe second pairing is his ceiling. Third line, probably at least. Third pairing, probably at least. Schlopik, I think, is a bottom six guy, maybe marginal. He might not be able to find that kind of consistency or that finish at this level. 
even though a lot of people like him. Don't get me wrong. I do too. Hogberg, I think, could end up being could end up starting the lion's share of games in Ottawa next season if he outplays Anders Nilsson, which isn't a stretch the way he's playing right now, though goalies are tricky. And then you throw in the guys I mentioned before. Norris, 40 points. Formington, 34 points. Brown, 20 points in 19 games. Norris looks like he could be a second-line center. Formington looks like he could be a second-line player. Logan Brown, I really firmly believe, has the makings of a number one center in the NHL. His size, his uncanny, uncanny vision. Some of the passes, I know he didn't have a ton of points, but some of the passes he made when he was playing in Ottawa this season were incredible. It was like he had eyes in the back of his head. The one Detroit game, he made this ridiculous pass through his legs behind him to Anthony Duclair, Duclair, who had a great chance right in front of the net. Unbelievable how talented he is. He just needs to find the consistency at this next level. He needs to skate hard for 60 minutes every game. And if he can do that and get maybe a little faster, there's no doubt in my mind. Eric Branstrom, tremendously talented player. Maybe a little undersized, but we've seen smaller guys really succeed lately. Kale McCarr comes to mind. Once he gets a little stronger, that shot maybe gets a little harder. He's really going to make noise with the way he skates and the way he moves the puck. Is he going to be Eric Carlson? Hopefully. Maybe not. But I really think he's going to be a top defenseman at the NHL level. So not only do you have a guy, a group of guys that are probably going to win a championship in the minor league together, but a lot of them, most of the top performers, project to be really solid and important players in, at the next level too. It's a very exciting time to be an Ottawa Senators fan right now. And it's going to get more exciting when these guys actually get to Ottawa. And sticking with the topic of Belleville, we're going to try, as I said last week, to end every episode by recognizing the best player from the week that was from Belleville, or perhaps Brampton. Which segues nicely into my next point. The reason I didn't call it the Belleville Blessing anymore is because it is no longer called that. You guys answered my prayer. You reached out to me, you DM'd me, and you gave me a new name. A better one than the crappy one that I came up with while, frankly, recording the first episode. So a huge shout-out goes to Ryan. You can find him at WheelSnipeBelly on Twitter. Give him a follow because he DM'd me and he gave me an awesome new name. Our Belleville Beast of the Week is the new name for this segment. That way I can even include some Brampton Beast players, as he said. So thank you, Ryan. Huge shout out to you, man. Really appreciate it. So the first Belleville Beast of the Week is... Imagine that I downloaded a drumroll sound effect. Logan Brown. Brown is on a seven-game point streak. And during this stretch, he has 11 points while Belleville is just tearing up the American Hockey League. Like I said before, it's hard to say more than I did about Logan Brown. He's having a really good season in the American League. He's a tremendously talented player. He has all the instincts, all the makings of an upper echelon contributor in the NHL. He needs to find consistency. 
in his effort level, in his point totals, in everything. If he can do that, and I'm pretty sure everyone in the Senators organization believes that he can and will, then he's going to have a long and very bright future in Ottawa. So our second Belleville recognition, I guess, and our first under the new name Belleville Beast of the Week goes out to Logan Brown. And guys, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for listening to episode two of Internal Budget. Uh, Before I sign off here, I want to make one quick note. Uh, Since this will go up on Monday morning, I'm sure you all know by now that Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gigi were tragically killed in a helicopter crash on Sunday in Calabasas. Uh, I'm not a lifelong basketball fan, admittedly, but uh, that story was really hard to read and hear about. I'm kind of at a loss for words. It's it's just awful. Um, I just want to extend my deepest sympathies to Brian's family and everyone who loved him and everyone who grew up watching him and whose life he had an impact on. Um, and his daughter, especially, only 13 years old. It's just, it's a tough one to swallow. So take the time to tell the people you care about that you love them, man, because you never know how life's going to go. Don't take things for granted, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And on that note, we are going to officially wrap this one up. Again, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to me. Whether you're on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, Like I said, I really appreciate it. It's really going to help keep me going and making new episodes every week. And if you have any questions, recommendations, Um, anything you want me to talk about, please reach out to me. Like I said, you can find me at Brandon Mackey six on Twitter. You can also email me. um, It's internal budget pod pod at gmail.com. Once again, this has been the second episode of the weekly Ottawa senators podcast internal budget. My name is Brandon Mackey. Thank you so much for listening. I will see y'all next week. Make it a good one.